0: Well, good morning, Transit Church. How's everyone doing today? Anyone else get really fired up after that bumper? Just me? I love that bumper. I can just watch that for like, we just play that for like 30, 30 times, get a 30-minute sermon. Uh, It's pretty good stuff. All right, well, hey, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Nick, one of the pastors here. As that video showed, uh, we're continuing a sermon series. We're going through half of the book of Acts for uh, roughly the rest of the year. So if you have your Bibles, turn them on or turn to Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 is where we're going to be spending our time together. The way we're going to start our time is we're going to read this text out loud together, and then I'm going to pray, and we'll dive in to God's Word here. So Acts 2, 42 through 47, help me read this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you just so grateful, Lord God. You're worthy of all honor and worship and glory, Lord God. So we love you. We bless your name, Jesus. I pray, Jesus, that you would be magnified today, that uh, Holy Spirit, you would come and give us eyes to see Jesus through uh, your word, God. So Holy Spirit, come have your way with your word, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would melt uh, coldness, you would melt apathy, you'd soften hardened hearts. You would uh, remove the blurriness of the eyes of our heart where we can't see you correctly and rightly, Lord Jesus. So would you be lifted high and magnified and would you have your way? Would you have your way with our hearts and our minds and our souls and your word and your people today, Holy Spirit? I pray, Lord, that um, you would increase and I would decrease. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, if you've been with us for the last three weeks as we've been going through Acts, you know that we've been uh, looking at one day the last three weeks. Each sermon, we've been looking at the day of Pentecost, okay? So um, that's where our text is today, is we're still kind of on the heels. This is kind of what happened after Pentecost. So what happened at Pentecost was the Spirit of God was poured out on the 120 in the upper room. They were clothed with power from on high. That was God's presence just now dwelling in his temple, in his house. Jesus Christ made that possible, right? He, for, he atoned for sins, forgave sins. He tore the veil of separation between a holy God and a sinful humanity. And then the Holy Spirit comes and moves in to dwell in the midst of his people. The church, church, the church is the place. As we were singing that song on earth as, in, as it is in heaven, the church is the place where heaven meets earth, where God dwells in the midst of humanity. Like, his presence is in us. Okay, so we saw the spirit of God poured out at Pentecost. Everyone started speaking in tongues. There was fire. There was wind. There was this huge commotion. Drew a crowd. Drew a crowd of thousands. And then what we saw after that, people are talking. And they're like, man, I think these people are drunk. And then Peter stands up, and he preaches a sermon. So the last two weeks, we've been looking at Peter's sermon uh, at Pentecost, um, and we broke it up into two sermons. That's how great of a sermon it was. So what Peter does is uh, he points his Jewish audience to the Old Testament scriptures. And he says, everything you're seeing and hearing was foretold of the, of the prophets in God's word. So he pointed them to Joel 2. And he said, in the last days, the spirit of the living God will be poured out on all flesh. You're young and you're old, you're male, you're female, you're rich and you're poor. They will they will have the spirit of God. They'll prophesy, they'll have dreams, they'll have visions. The Lord will do signs and wonders, so on and so forth. So Peter is saying, what you're witnessing is not drunkenness. This is the last days. Like, welcome to the last days. You have arrived. And then he points to through the Old Testament scriptures. He says, and, and the, the, the person responsible for ushering into the last days is the Messiah. Jesus Christ crucified. He preaches the gospel, unfiltered, unadulterated uh, gospel. That the Jesus Christ whom you crucified is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Messiah. We have seen him. We have seen him. We've seen his resurrection. We've witnessed his resurrected, glorified body. You, you, you crucified him, but he conquered death. And we've seen him ascend to the right hand of the Father where he is currently seated as the king of kings above every ruler, authority, power, and dominion. And when he got to the right hand of the Father, he received the promise of the Holy Spirit. Third person of the Trinity, what did he do? He poured out the Holy Spirit upon his church. And the response, Peter, I mean Peter, man, home run sermon, right? Spirit of God fills him. He preaches the gospel. This is what the, the trajectory you see in Acts. When somebody is filled with the Spirit, they testify to the gospel. They testify to Jesus. And so Peter, home run sermon, right? And then what happens? 3,000 souls get saved that day. In Acts 2, Joe did an awesome, did Joe do an amazing job last week or what? Was that amazing? Yeah, I love that. And uh, the response was they, they, they were cut to the heart. The Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin. Why does the Holy Spirit bring conviction of sin? Because he wants us to point us to the only one who can absolve our guilt, to Jesus, to give us fresh forgiveness. That's why conviction is such a beautiful thing. That's why the conviction of the Holy Spirit is one of the best things we could ever pray for, because it always thrusts us to the arms of our Savior, to the great physician, who alone has the cure to our sin, to our brokenness. He's the healer, right? And so they're cut to the heart. They all give their lives to Jesus. They, re- they receive his forgiveness. They confess his lordship in their life, and they're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is, what P- this is Peter's gospel. Peter's preaching of the gospel doesn't stop at just receive the forgiveness of your sins. Peter says you can look it up. Just look in Acts 2, 37-41. Peter's preaching of the gospel is receive the forgiveness of your sins so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because where you are is where God wants to dwell. God dwells inside of you. That's the gift that Jesus gives us. That's the whole storyline of the Bible is God's relentless pursuit of dwelling, getting as close as possible to his people that he loves, okay? And so, wh- so all that to say is this. That's what happened on Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved. And then the question that remains is, well, how do these people live? After the day of Pentecost, what would their lives like? What Would what, they all go back to their normal jobs and live for themselves? Or, or what happened? And immediately what we see, after this kind of church plan of 120 in a few hours grows to a megachurch, immediately what we see, now that they're megachurch status, is the apostles rally around Peter and say, hey man, you've been bringing the fire. And, but this toga thing is kind of outdated. We're megachurch status. We bought you a pair of skinny jeans. And so we need you to preach and skinny jeans, because we're mega church, Dude, like, if you bring that fire and skinny jeans, there's gonna be like 30,000 that come to know Jesus, okay? Um, I, I made myself laugh in my office as I, yeah, anyways, uh, that joke was for me just as much as for you. Um, so here's, we're left with the question of how did this, this new community of spirit-filled believers li- live? And here's what their lives didn't look like. Their lives didn't look like this. Jesus didn't become an add-on to them, Jesus wasn't a side hustle. Jesus wasn't a distant relative that they kept in touch with every couple months. They kind of felt guilty about not keeping touch with. You know, that's not what we see. What we see with this spirit filled community in Acts 2 42 through 47 is that Jesus was everything to them. He was everything to them. He had now collectively become their supreme treasure, their greatest joy, their greatest reward, knowing Jesus. And more of the depths of his love and making that love known in the church and through the church to the outside world was their chief end in life. And so in a day, in an instant, Jesus had radically changed their desires, their passions, their lives. This is what happens when you come to know Jesus and are filled with the Spirit of God. Your desires completely change. Right? That's why y'all are here is because a lot of you were running full sprint away from God, but he grabbed a hold of your heart, and he radically changed your desires for all of eternity. So now you are a lover of Jesus. And so when we're filled with the Spirit of God, we're going to adopt the desires of the Holy Spirit. And the desire that the Holy Spirit has is the exaltation of Jesus in all things. So if we want to be a Spirit-filled church, a church filled with the Spirit of the living God to more and more greater depths and heights and lengths, we're going to tr- a church that lives to exalt the name Of Jesus, right? We're going to glorify his name. So there's five uh, points of my talk that I'm going to frame out today to kind of frame out our talk. And uh, it's five things we see that a spirit filled church desires. Five things we see a spirit filled church desires. One, a spirit filled church desires to learn more about Jesus. Look at verse 42. The very first thing said here in our text. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching they devoted themselves to teaching to learning to being a student they were hungry to learn more about jesus when the outpouring of the holy spirit came upon them and they were having wild experiences church wild experiences the outpouring of the holy spirit didn't like like short circuit their brain and turn off their brain so they no longer cared about knowledge and doctrine and write theology, orthodoxy, they were consumed with the pursuit of knowing God. And the only reason we can know God as humanity is because God has first revealed himself to us. God himself has made himself known. How? Through his word, right? And so, so they devoted themselves to the apostolic instruction, apostolic teaching. And um, if you were part of that community, part of the 3,000 that got saved, um, listen, I had, this, I had this thought. You would... Uh, you would have to be crazy. It would be the height of insanity to not want to sit and receive from the apostles, right? Are you tracking with me? Like, who were the apostles? They were the 12, right? Matthias, the, 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 the description, the MO of the apostles was, one, they accompanied Jesus uh, during his three-year earthly ministry. The, 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 the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, the light of the world, the resurrection and the life they camped out with, Right? they ate food with, they watched him walk on water and heal the sick and cast out demons, right? That was the Jesus they, they lived their lives with for three years. And then two, the mark of a, a capital A apostle, the 12, was that they saw the resurrected Jesus in the glorified state. And that this resurrected Jesus, he had a 40-day seminar with them, teaching them about the kingdom of God for 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. And then they saw him ascend into heaven. So if I'm in the presence of Peter... And John and these guys, I would be crazy if I didn't want to sit under their teaching because I love Jesus. He saved me, he rescued me, he redeemed me, and they knew him. They walked with him. And I imagine the community is saying, Tell us more about Jesus. What was he like? Tell us what he told you. Tell us that story again. We're like he scared you all on the boat because he was like walking on water, and then Peter, like you fell, you walked on water, but you feel like tell us that story again, right? This is what I'm getting at. This is what I'm getting at. When you know somebody who knows somebody, you tracking with me? You're going to ask them questions, right? Anyone here know somebody famous? Anyone? No? Nobody does. Okay. I don't either, so there you go. Um, But I, uh, Natalia, if you guys know Seth and Natalia, her dad, um, I'm a huge hockey fan, okay? I grew up playing hockey, and I'm just, like, two years ago, her dad came to church, and I'm just talking uh, with her dad, And, and like, you know, what do you do? All that stuff. He goes, oh, I'm a I work for the Buffalo Sabres. I'm a scout for the NHL. And I go, like, like, sit down. And then I had to restrain my excitement because I want to freak the guy out and be like, dude, we got to grab lunch. I got to talk to you. Who do you know? Like, you know, like, what's, ho- you know, what's professional hockey? Like, who have you met? Right? And so I'm picking his brain, and then I go up to Natalia. i be like, your dad's the coolest guy on the planet. Why didn't you tell me that, you know, this is your dad? Like, he was an assistant coach with the NHL for a while, now a scout. And there's this excitement, this, tell me everything you know, right? How much more should it be for the people of God? How much more? And church, we have the same privilege that this this community of 3,000 had today because God has gone to great lengths to to inscribe in his word apostolic instruction to us in the New Testament. Right? Like we have eyewitness accounts of people who walked and talked with Jesus in the New Testament. Letters from Peter and John, right? Paul, uh, Luke, Luke, who wrote Acts, who accompanied Paul on his missionary journeys. So what a great privilege we have. So it should be our love for Jesus that causes us to never close this book, but to always keep it open because there's always something the Holy Spirit wants to give us fresh revelation to, right? Every time we open up our books, it's an opportunity to just sit in in, in awestruck wonder of who God is. And and the, the Bible is not just principles for how to live a better life. It's the revelation of God himself and his heart for humanity and what he's done to save humanity. So if you want to know God, you look to the scriptures, because that's where God has made himself known. If God does not reveal himself, we are clueless, we are are the blind, trying to grasp and try to figure out who God is. God has clearly revealed himself in his word. So this community, they were devoted to right thinking, orthodoxy and doctrine, right thinking about God. They were devoted, passionate. This is what they were devoted to, key word, devoted. Their brains didn't turn off with the gift of the spirit. Their brains went into overdrive. Okay. That's what, that's what we're seeking here at the Transit Church is a, is a marriage. Often in the church today, there's a disconnect where churches are either spirit-filled or word-based. It's a marriage of word and spirit, spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus says in John 4. Those who worship me will worship in spirit and truth. Because right thinking about God, when you understand the truth of who God is, it always leads to doxology. It always leads to worship and exaltation. Wow, this is who God is, right? So that's why we want to be a people passionate about that. Second thing we see is a spirit-filled church desires to relationally abide in Jesus. Look at verses 42 through 46 to 47. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the prayers. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And so the picture we get with this community is that their walk with Jesus after they met him on the day of Pentecost was not just me and Jesus. It was like a collective, corporate, elbow-elbow-linking-arms, united pursuit of pursuing Jesus. That's what it was. Because they they were hungry for him. There was was more they wanted to learn. There was more depths of his his love and and mercy and and grace that they wanted to experience. And this is what we see, is that whether they're— gatherings were large. They were gathering in the temple, kind of like a Sunday morning worship session, or they were meeting in each other's homes, breaking bread. What was the key definitive thing of their gathering was they were praising Jesus. They were praying. They were giving thanks and adoration. Um, The gist of what we see in this community is that they didn't necessarily have prayer and worship nights. They were just a community of never-ending prayer and worship to Jesus, right? It was just the atmosphere of their hearts. How could I not like that's why we, This is why we come here on church on Sunday. It's not whether we want to sing songs or not. It's because Jesus is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of it all. Every single day, if we were to spend here all day worshiping Jesus, it wouldn't be a waste of time because, he's, because of who he is and, and what he's done for us, right? And so it was crystal clear to them is that they, they now had become, as the people of God, the redeemed of God, the most privileged people on the planet Earth because Jesus Christ had made possible for them which was once what was once impossible jesus christ gave them access to relationally know the living god jesus tore the veil through his death on the cross so that so that sinners who are living in isolation and separation from god could know their purpose that they were created by god they were created for god to know god and to live for him and live for his glory and so they realized man jesus has given us access jesus has given us a brand new phone Phone with a phone that you don't need a new software upgrade on ever, uh, a phone that you're never going to get water damage on, the screen's never going to crack, you're not going to have to upgrade it because it's going to be like, you know, old and outdated in two years. And that phone has one contact on it. And Jesus hands the phone to any believer, new believer in, in, in Christ Jesus, and he says, Hey, the, the, the contact here, your Heavenly Father, he's always waiting to hear from you. He's never busy. You're never going to get that dial tone when you call him. Here's access. You have 24-7 access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? And listen, if we had a famous person in our contact, like someone gave us, you know, contact, like say, say, you know, I couldn't think of anyone else. So forgive me for, (laughs) but Justin Bieber, right? All right. Say, say Jay Biebs was, you know, was your buddy, right? And what would you do, right? You would, you would call him, like, around the clock and be like, Yo, Biebs, what's up, man? Like, what are you doing? You know, you would, you, there, would be, there would be an awestruck wonder of who you're talking to. You would tell your friends. You would tell somebody that, hey, I have access to this guy. And if we would be more excited about having a conversation with Justin Bieber than, than we would about talking to the king of the universe, there's a problem there, right? There's a problem there. And when we understand, this is what we see in this community, is when we understand the privilege that we have in Christ Jesus, that we get to approach the throne of grace with confidence, the natural overflow of that is praise and gratitude and thanksgiving. The fact that we can enter his courts with, with confidence, it, it just enter the presence of the Holy of Holies, is enough. to ent- it, it, That's why we enter his courts with thanksgiving, just for the, the fact that we can have access. And this is what Hebrews 4.16 says. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. This is what Jesus Christ has made possible. He says, let us with confidence approach God in prayer, right? In worship, in thanksgiving. We don't have to drag our feet. We don't have to hold our heads in shame and be like, oh, God's angry at me or whatever. Jesus Christ has made a way where there was no way. We can approach with confidence. And then we approach what? What what does the author of Hebrews describe here? A throne of grace, not a throne of condemnation. Not a throne of judgment. A throne of grace. And if it's a throne of grace, then we can come to that throne in prayer messy, messy. We can come to that throne in need because, because what it says in Hebrews is that you can approach the throne of grace where the king of kings is seated, the lamb that was slain is seated, and receive what? Mercy. Who needs mercy? Sinners. Those who are weak. Those who are helpless. Mercy. And then it says this. So, and, you, so, and you can find grace to help in time of need. Right? And so that's why those who pray the most are those who are most dependent. Those who most understand their need for God. And the privilege they have that I don't have to live life on my own. I have 24-7 access to the King of Kings who's sitting on a throne of grace. And what flows what flows from a throne of grace is grace. Grace to live your life. Grace to love your neighbor. Grace to parent your kids. Grace to meet you in your brokenness and heal your brokenness. Fresh mercies every morning. That's what flows from the throne of grace. That's why we can approach the throne of grace with confidence as the kids the sons and daughters of God saying there's no place we would rather be than in the presence of our Father. In the presence of our Father. And the natural outflow of understanding the gospel is awestruck wonder. This is who I get to talk to. This is who I get to walk with. This is who will never leave me or separate. This is who's for me now, not against me. And that's why we see this community was full of, yes, praise and prayer and worship and breaking bread in each other's homes. But, the, but, but listen, it says they were full of glad and generous hearts. And that word, you can look this up uh, in a Greek lexicon online. That word glad in the Greek means this. Listen, wild joy, um, the verbatim here I'm quoting, wild joy, ecstatic delight, exhilaration. That's what this community was experiencing in Christ Jesus. Wild joy, ecstatic delight, exhilaration, like Pulse racing. This describes what you would experience on a roller coaster at King's Dominion, right? Not what you think of at community group, right? Just throwing that out there, right? Wild joy, exhilaration. They were blown away at the goodness of their king, right? He was in their midst. He had saved them. He had redeemed them. He was present with them. He had given them access to the king of kings and the lord of lords. He had given them eternal life. And they were blown away. And there was joy that was given to them because this is what Jesus promises to give. And listen, by the way, your whole lives are searching for joy and joy can only be found in Christ Jesus. Jesus said in John 10, I am, uh, Jesus, he, said, he said, I came back to give you life and give you life abundantly. And then John 15, 11, and John 16, 24, Jesus says this, take Jesus' words, for it not my own. He is the author and the creator of joy itself. And he himself is full of joy that he wants to give us. Look at his heart in the upper room. These things I have spoken to you, that my, Jesus talking to his disciples, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be half full, quarter full, 0.1% full, 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 150% full. That's what Jesus wants, John 16, 24. Until now, you haven't asked me anything in my name. Jesus is inviting us to constantly come to him with our lack. You haven't asked me for anything. What do you need? Come to me. I want to supply your needs. I get glory in your weakness. I get glory in your lack. I get glory when you need help because then I am manifested in my glory as the one who can help in your time of need. So until now you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive. Why? That your joy may be filled, may be full, right? This is what Jesus loves to give us. And following Jesus uh, if we, we read the New Testament, and you've walked with Jesus for a while, it is full of dark seasons of the soul, right? I am not saying you come to know Jesus, and you're going to be moonwalking everywhere, all right? Like, yeah, whoa, yeah, this is amazing, right? But I am saying this, that nothing holds a candle. Nothing comes even remotely close to the joy that can only be found in knowing Jesus Christ. Nothing holds a candle to it. That joy you get from Jesus ruins you for anything else. That joy you can receive only through the power of the Spirit inside you is what sets you free from addictions that have a hold on you your entire life. It's that joy. It's that joy, the well, of the rivers of living water. There's only one source of rivers of living water, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so the third thing we see is this Spirit-filled church desire to encounter more of Jesus. They weren't just knowing about him. They weren't just uh, pursuing him. But, but Jesus was making himself known through the power of the Spirit in their midst. Look at what we see in verse 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I love that description. Awe came upon every soul. What is awe? The way I would describe awe is simply this. is Awe is what happens in your life when a God that you believe only exists in the past tense and in the future tense invades your present tense, invades your present reality. And far too long in the church, we've only preached about a God who's acted in the past and acted in the future, and then he's ghosted his community, and, 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 uh, and we haven't talked about the present presence and power of the Spirit in our lives to radically transform us and empower us to go boldly advance the kingdom of God. And so uh, this is what was happening is that the Holy Spirit was stirring something in their midst. Uh, signs and wonders were being done through the apostles, dreams, visions, prophecy, healing. Devil's getting cast out of people. So conversation in this early community would look like this. Hey, you won't believe the dream I had two nights ago. Okay, I had this dream that this guy I never saw, and he had a, a son who was sick at home and and it was, it, was, it was, I was just feeling the emotion I had as someone was close to dying. And then I'm at the marketplace, and I'm grabbing some beets and some carrots. I'm going to make some soup for my family. And then all of a sudden, I see the guy I dreamt about two nights ago. Like this morning, I see him in my dream. And I go up to him, and I say, hey, I'm a Christian. I believe God speaks to, to me in my dreams. And I go up to this person, and I say, hey, you were in my dreams last night. Do you have a son who's sick and dying at home? And the guy just immediately starts breaking down, crying. He's weeping. And I say, hey, hey, hey. And, and, he, and he verifies that. And I go, can I go pray with him? And then you won't believe it. I went to his room and I, and I prayed for, I prayed. It was nothing I did. I just prayed for the guy to get healed. And the kid, the kid got healed. He got saved. And the whole family came to know Jesus. They're coming to community group tonight. And then they would share that. They would share a story like that. And then the person receiving would be like, well, let me tell you a story I had. Right? And they would just keep going and starting. And listen, this is happening at the Transit Church. I am having, <laughs> I, could, I could spend a lot of time sharing some cool stories, but I'll spare you. But, I, we're seeing this more and more Eve, this past week, past two weeks, people are having dreams, connecting with people. Me and Joe we're going to meet up on Monday. What we do for like an hour before we, we spend time in prayer covering you prayer is just sharing everything the Lord is doing in our lives. Because he's alive. He's speaking. He's moving. He's stirring. He's setting the captive free. This is what he does. Our God is alive, Transit Church. Amen? Amen. He's in our midst. Amen. Amen? He's not a God just, and don't hear me, like I love the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the, his, the historicity, the historical fact of his resurrection and his ascension. I love the historical fact of what he's going to do in the future and, and, and the great hope that that brings us his first coming and his second coming, right? And I love, and I love the assurance that we can go fulfill the Great Commission. Why? Because Jesus says, because I am with you. And when he says with you, he means with you, with you. Amen. Right, he means with you. That's what he means. Amen. Next thing we see is a spirit-filled church desires—I'm going uh, to skip that part, although I thought it was pretty good. I'll save it for the end. All right, uh, a spirit-filled church desires to love—this is the fourth thing we see—and serve and build up the body of Jesus. Look at, look at how this community loved one another. And they devoted themselves to the fellowship, and all who believed were together and had all things in common— and they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing Sorry, one second here. Let me try to finagle this. All right, let me see if that works. Um, I'll keep this just in case, but I think I, just in case yeah yeah. I, I need my hands when I preach, you know, I'm sorry.. Um, <laughs> Uh, And all who believe were together, had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds uh, to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So the picture we get of this community is that they weren't selfish. They were selfless. They weren't devoted to their own time and their own needs. They were devoted to the needs of each other, right? we, We see this community, they weren't divided. They had all things in common. They weren't divided over everything. That they, had. they were united in Christ Jesus. They 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 weren't they weren't um, they weren't stingy. They were generous towards each other. They were hospitable with their time. It's almost as if when the Holy Spirit fills them, He conforms them into the image of Christ, so that they were the hands and feet of Jesus to each other. Right? It's almost that this is the impression you get because this is what the church is to be: is the ministry of Jesus continued, right? And this is the picture. We get, and the beautiful thing about knowing Jesus is is what we see in this community is that when you understand the gospel of what Jesus has done for you, that all the imperative the entire Christian life is simply living out of what Jesus has already given you, what you've received from him. That's the beauty. Jesus just invites you. He says, just share what I've done for you, right? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's what Jesus commands us to do. On the cross of Jesus Christ, he was praying a prayer of forgiveness over his enemies, the very people that were crucifying him saying father forgive them they do not know what they're doing and jesus says you are my enemy you were in rebellion to me you had your back turned to the living god i i created the only reason you were you were once non-being to being is because i created you i fashioned you i formed you you are beautifully and wonderfully made and if i created you i own the rights to you right and so, and so with that said, and then, and then where sin sought to bring you away, I gave my life, I died so that I could pay the penalty of your sins, so I could, I could reclaim you and bring you back home to the embrace of your Father. So love your enemies as I have loved you. Pray for those who persecute you. Forgive others as you yourself. Have been forgiven. You have been welcomed, church, to the table of the lamb that was slain. So now invite everyone else to your table to experience his love. For your sake, Jesus Christ became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. Now live a life of radical generosity. To others so everything we do is to be done to the glory of jesus who first did that to us So when we invite each other into each other's homes and we seek to Sacrificially sell our possessions so that we can meet the needs of others We're saying this is what jesus has done in my life And I got to share that with you, right? It's it's because if it's just us being awesome and us being generous then we get the glory But if it's us saying hey, i'm just the recipient of grace an avalanche, a never-ending fountain of grace, and I just get to extend that. Whenever I invite you into my home, or, or whenever we share money with each other, or, or, or you know, like, 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 like do what the church is supposed to do, bear each other's burdens, we're simply saying, this is what Jesus has done for me. And we get to share that with each other. But the second thing we see here is that what this is, or the simple way I would describe it, what we see this community loving one another is this is how family loves one another. This is how family loves one another. I think this community realized that now we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ has reconciled us as one body to himself, not individual, you know, uh, echo chambers of just us and Jesus. No, in one body, we are the new family of God, the sons and daughters of God, right? And listen, family, this is how family works. The Mudgezo family, I'll brag on my family for a little bit. Not my family, the family I grew up in. Um, is that uh, if you're a mudrazo, man, we got each other's backs, right? Like, if there's a need that, you know, my siblings have or parents have, like, like it ain't going to be a need for too long, right? Because we're devoted to each other. You know, like, if you cross a mudrazo, watch out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we're, like we're mudrazos, we don't, we, don't, we don't come at each other's throat. We, we, we got each other's backs, right? And the reason this came about is um, my dad was a DC police officer for 30 years. And me and my brother, man, we, we, growing up, I mean, he's my best friend now, but it was like WWE, man. Like, off the turnbuckle, RKO, off the couch, you know, like, just fighting nonstop, okay? So my dad would come home from work, and he'd see us fighting and just, like, running the face, like, shirt, shirt torn and just, like, and look at him. like. And then we'd sit down, and, and this was his common refrain, not verbatim, but this is what he would, he would say. He says, he said, listen up, family talk. The world out there that I just came from is full of hatred, is full of division, It's full of violence. They're at each other's throats out there. As far as my house, as far as my family, we're going to be for each other in my family, in my house, because the world out there is full of evil and division and hostility and hatred towards one another. You, you, we have each other's backs here. We're not at each other's throats here, right? That's, that was the common refrain, and that, that created, that created an epiphany of, oh wow, it created, we need each other we need each other. Yeah, this is, a, this is a sin-cursed world that we live in. And, and, and as far as the mutters are we're concerned, we're going to have each other's backs. We're not going to be at uh, each other's throats. And I think in 2021, 20, um, if the church needs to understand anything, and all the division we've seen in the church today is that um, we need to understand that we're family, right? And that we can't cancel fam- family. Like, you, like, I think sometimes we think, like, unity is kind of optional, and, and we don't read John 17, and we, and we hear the, the gut-wrenching, tear-filled prayer of Jesus, that they would all be one, that his church would be unified, right? And so Transit Church, if you were to look to your right, look to your left, if you're on the live stream, go Facebook stalk some people from the Transit, look at them. Um, that's your family. That's your family, Okay? We, let it be said at the transit church that we have each other's backs, that we're for each other, we're not against each other, that we'll tarry, that we'll fight for unity. Unity is something that has to be fought for, right? Like, let, let, let it be our common love of Jesus and making him known and glorifying him and how we're unified here. Let it be said at the transit church that we're not at each other's throats because we're too busy at each other's feet, washing each other's feet in sacrificial love as Jesus has washed our feet okay? That's the hope of the world. We do not adopt the world's ethic. When the world is on Facebook ripping each other to shreds and canceling each other and screaming each other, the church rallies and we grow closer together saying, we're not giving up on you. I'm for you. You have a need. I'm going to meet that need because it brings glory to Jesus, right? We are family. This is what family does, and that leads to my last point. Five is that a spirit-filled church desires that others would share in their experience of the redeeming love of Jesus, there was an invitation, there was a gravitational pull for the lost to be found, found, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved, being saved. Verse 47 of our text is the least, I would say, is one of the least surprising verses in all of Scripture. And here's why. For those on the outside of this community of 3,000 plus new believers who are living like this and experiencing the living God like this, and they're invited into this they would look in for about you know maybe 30 30 seconds and say where do i sign up i want in there's something here i don't have right there's a fragrance here there's an aroma of jesus here the world i'm living in is is hostile and full of hatred and division this world is unified and full of sacrificial love and hospitality There's something different here. I live uh, in Franconia, and when you go on Franconia Road, that bridge kind of over the mall, you look, if you're going westbound, eastbound, sorry, and you look to your south for your military folk, you got your compass points, and you see Springfield Mall, there's a Peruvian chicken place right there. And if you go there right around 10, 1030, as they're freshly, you know, roasting those those rotisserie chickens, I mean, you catch a fragrance on that bridge to the point that you want to swan dive off that bridge into whatever... (laughs) And so whatever they got in that building, because at the point, you're, it's that fragrance that says, there's something in that building I don't have right now, but it smells good. I want that. There's something different there that I don't have that I'm not experiencing. And, and that's what draws you in. People on the outside were getting invited into this, and they're getting drawn in, and we're seeing this at the transit. I found out this week. I don't know if you guys know this, but the transit church has a biker gang. Did you realize this? A biker gang. It's a mountain biking gang. All right, it's not, it's not a biker so, but I always joke that they, you know, I want to see them come in with their vests and their patches and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but like, you know, uh, I don't know if they've been doing it with COVID, but uh, a story came, uh, was brought to my attention this past week of uh, a non-Christian being invited to this this group of like five, six dudes who, you know, spend their mornings mountain biking. And what I've heard about this 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 biker gang is that, you know, um, as they're mountain biking, they're encouraging and strengthening each other in the Lord. They're sharing what the Lord's doing. They're praying with one another. They're opening the scriptures. I don't know how you do that as you're mountain biking, but uh but they do that, right? It's beautiful. And so a non-Christian got invited. One of the non-Christian friends got invited in. And, the, and then after hanging out with them for a morning and going back, the person that invited him said that the, the, the non-Christian friend said this. He goes, those were the nicest dudes I have ever met in my life. There was kind of like a, like a, like a head scratching, like, I just went mountain biking with these dudes. It should have not been this experience, right? What's happening there? It's the aroma, the fragrance of Christ. That's getting people to ask questions. It's drawing them in, right? Because, because all of us, what we're experiencing, what the world is lashing out for and they're hoping for is they're, they're hoping, they want utopia. They want what we have. They want what we carry. That place where heaven meets earth, the spirit of God dwells in us and among us. And so when they actually see Jesus in us, it's, it, they're going to be drawn in to that. And that's what Jesus says in John 13, 34 through 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just As I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, by this, not right doctrine necessarily, not um, cool spirit-filled encounters, by this, Jesus says, the watching world will know that you belong to me. This is what he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have sacrificial, selfless, feet-washing kind of love for one another where you go low and you serve your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus for his glory that's how you show the world what Jesus is like when we go low and we serve one another and love one another and we get over and we get over ourselves. So I'll conclude with this. A simple summary of the spirit-filled community, the picture we get is that Jesus Christ was absolutely everything to them. They were obsessed. They were devoted. They were delighted. Their entire lives were reoriented to full submission and surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say something that is going to sound weird. Just don't cancel me yet. Just let me articulate this so it makes sense. Um, these 3,000, I'm not talking about the apostles, but these three thousands. I don't believe uh, that um, in and of themselves, they were any special, more special than you and I, church. It's really easy to read Acts 2:42 through 47 and look at what they're doing and say, wow, the church was awesome. These are, you know, these are amazing people. We stink right? And if we could just be more like them, we would be awesome. So the pastor would get up here and say, you know, look how awesome they are. Look how much you stink. Now you need to be more awesome like them, so just go and be more awesome like them, right? That would be the application, right? And listen, these redeemed 3,000 souls are no different than you and I, in my opinion. Here's the difference, I believe. Here's the difference, I believe. This is what I'm getting at, is I don't think these 3,000 were all that in a bag of chips. They all had seminary degrees. They're all like big extroverts and successful and were able to lead all these people to the No, no, no. I don't think these 3,000 people even thought they were awesome. They simply knew they had an awesome Savior. They knew who their Jesus was. And they knew what, he, what he's done. They knew what he's doing. And they knew what he's promised to do in their lives. They didn't think they were awesome. We don't think they're Sorry. We, we think Jesus is awesome. I think, I think this is what a community looks like that has a jaw on the floor in continual awestruck wonder of who Jesus is. That's what this looks like. And only, only when that moment happens, and this is the gift of God's grace to us, it's the only gift of the Holy Spirit that we see this, when we finally have eyes to behold the King of kings and the Lord of lords and see him for how supremely valuable he is, that we're willing to lay down everything at his feet. That's just the natural response. What we see in Acts two forty-two through 47 is the natural response to meeting Jesus Christ and knowing him and receiving his grace and his love. That's the natural response. And so, uh, Paul's prayer for his church, I'll conclude with Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1. The application is not necessarily, yes, let's open up our homes. Like, the application, yes, absolutely is. Let's love each other as lavishly and as generously as Jesus Christ has lavishly loved us. Amen? And let's love the lost world like that. Amen? Yes. The reason this community is acting this way, is because of Jesus Christ. The day before Pentecost, ain't nobody living like this. You tracking with me? Ain't nobody laying down their lives for Jesus, and laying down their lives for the church. Ain't nobody living like that. What happened is they met the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, and the Spirit of God grabbed a hold of their heart, and forever changed them. Forever changed them. Jesus Christ is everything, was everything to them, and listen, he had all of them, is what it seems like here. And the only way this is possible, this is what Paul prays for in Ephesians 1, 16 through 23. I'll I'll conclude with this. Paul's first prayer as he's writing the church at Ephesus, his first prayer to them in Ephesians, is not, go be radically generous, and go be hospitable, and go reach the lost. His first prayer for them is this. Watch this. And I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, what does Paul pray for the church? May give you it may give you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, of Him. That's what Paul says. The best prayer you could ever pray for a church is, is saying, Holy Spirit, give them the true knowledge of who Jesus is. Because when we truly see Jesus for who He truly is everything changes that's Paul's prayer and then he says 18 having the eyes of your heart enlightened that's one of our greatest needs in the church today is the return of awe struck wonder of Jesus because uh we've we don't have awe we kind of have eh right uh Jesus eh. you know he's okay not awe struck wonder and so what we need is a gift of the grace of God today, the Holy Spirit filling us and returning to us. awe-struck wonder, the eyes of our heart, where there's blurry vision on the eyes of our hearts, where there's scales that have been put over the, the eyes of our heart. We need God to remove those. And you can pray and ask God to do that. For you today, to remove the hardness of your heart, to give you eyes to see Jesus, ears to hear his love and affection for you, and a heart to feel his heart for you, and a heart to obey him and love him. So have the eyes of your heart enlightened. Why? Why should we have the hearts of our eyes enlightened? Because Paul is saying here, this is what changes everything, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he's done for you, and what you possess in him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Why? That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the ones to come, he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. The church is his body. The church belongs to Jesus. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God? And then Paul says this, You are not your own. That's one of the best news that anyone can hear on the planet is the thing that follows is you are bought with the price. The Lamb of God gave his life. That was the price that, 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 that Jesus went to purchase you was, 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 was his blood, his sacrifice on the cross. You are not your own. Jesus possesses you. He bought you. He has a deed of purchase on your entire life. That's what it means when you call him Lord is you lay everything at his feet. Every penny in your bank account, uh, your future plans, your retirement, your family Everything is at the feet of Jesus because he's done purchase you from the clutches of the enemy and saved your soul and granted you eternal life. He bought you. So you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And then what comes next? So glorify God in your body. What's glorifying God? Showing off his beauty and his wonder and his majesty to the watching world. Telling the world what he's like. So uh, transit church, let's uh, posture our hearts today in repentance. Repentance is a beautiful thing. Right? We the Christian life is a life of, of daily repentance, of posturing our heart and saying, I'll invite the band to come forward uh as we as we go to the Lord in prayer. And just posturing our heart where our hearts have grown cold. Maybe we maybe maybe there was a first love passion that we once had as we walked with Jesus, but maybe we've lost that. The busyness of life, the stress of life, and we've lost that awe. We've lost that wonder. We've lost that joy in Him. The beautiful thing about uh, where our King is seated, he's seated on a throne of grace. He's seated on a throne of grace, and He loves it. He loves to hear from weary, broken sinners. And because you're not a sinner, you're a saint. You're His His son and His daughter, right? When I was holding my hand, holding my daughter in worship today, and I hear her, I, her father is holding her, and I hear her crying out, "Ah, uh, there's a place I love to go. It's the presence of." She goes, "My Baba," like my Baba. And I couldn't think. I couldn't help but think of Romans eight, when the Holy Spirit fills us we cry out, Abba, Father, that childlike wonder, right? So my encouragement to you today would be to open up your hands and surrender to the Lord. Where are you holding back from Him? Transit Church, our King is worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. He gave His life. He gave His all for you, and the only thing He requires is what is best for you, that you don't hold back on Him, that you give your life to Him. Everything you give to Him, He's gonna manage it a whole lot better transit church when jesus says whoever tries to save his life will lose it but whoever gives it whoever loses his life will save it jesus is basically saying listen if you don't give your life to the to the bread of life you're gonna lose it and so and so for some of us what the lord put on my heart today uh this week as i was preparing this sermon i will conclude with this is this is that i was i asked myself this question as i was wrestling with this text i said is jesus truly lord over everything in my life meaning this is Jesus everything? Or does Jesus have all of Nick Mudrazo? You tracking with me? And so, and so I was sitting under this today. And I realized that the answer to that question, does Jesus have my all, was no, he doesn't. There were still some things in my life I was holding back. Fear of the future, right? Financial security. And I had to. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. And I encourage you to join me in that. Of opening up your hands and surrender to the king of kings who gave his all to you and give it all to him he tr- you can trust him Lord. you can trust him you can trust him he's worthy he's worthy of it all and on the cross of G- on the cross where he was slain for you is where that was essentially the the covenant that he made with you where he says I, I I am giving my all to you I will never leave you I will never forsake you and all he asks in return is that same affection that same adoration, that same devotion. We just get to first respond to the way He is first loved. Uh, so let's take a moment to quiet our souls and to go before the Lord today and cry out to Him, to our God of all grace, for the grace and mercy that we need today. you with praise and adoration we come before you grateful that we were here we're gathered today Lord Jesus that we're not living lives separated from your love we're not living lives without hope we're not living lives without hope and love and peace and grace we're not separated from you why because you first loved us we come before you saying thank you Jesus that you pursued us in spite of us, that while we were still sinners, you went to the cross and you died in our place. So we say thank you for your love, your steadfast, faithful love. Forgive us, Father, where our hearts have grown cold, Lord God. We thank you. We thank you that you're a God who's gracious and merciful, a king who sits on a throne of grace. So we come to you to receive fresh grace. Forgive us. Where we'd rather give our lives and live our lives for ourselves rather than you, King Jesus. Forgive us where we've been selfish with the resources that you have lavished upon us. Forgive us where we've been hoarding your gospel, hoarding your grace, hoarding your love, keeping it to ourselves. Forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us when we've let politics divide us. Where we've let conspiracy theories and mass divide us, God. Where we've let marginal things divide us, Lord God. Forgive us for all the fickle ways, Lord Jesus. All the fickle ways, Lord, we've been at each other's throats rather than at our feet. Serving and loving one another, God. So we ask, we ask uh, Holy Spirit, that you would come and have your way with Transit Church, Lord Jesus. Show us, Jesus. Open up the eyes of our hearts. Help us to see him as supremely valuable and precious and worthy he is. He is, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that we simply just get to respond to all the ways you have first loved us. And so we respond today and we cry out and we say, Jesus, Lord, King of kings, you are worthy of it all. We lay our lives down at your feet and we, we surrender we say have all of us this morning because you alone are worthy of laying our lives down for. We pray this in your name Jesus. Amen.